are back. We are back. Welcome, everyone, to Match Point number nine, a Tennis Bets podcast. I am one of two co-hosts here, David E.J. Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9Tennis on X and all the socials. You can find our show on Spotify, Apple, pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts. If this is your first time listening, chances are how you found us. Welcome and hello. If you're a returning listener, a returning champion, welcome back. I'm based in California. I'm tossing it to my man in Canada, Mr. John Reed. You can find him at Jared Tweets Tennis. He does betting content for his own brand, Tidbits Tennis. He writes for the Action Network betting expert, Hammer HQ, Tennis Form Recaps. John, I, I believe you're you're fresh off a, a sweat in the tournament we're going to be talking about today in Astana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, wow. I mean, Dommy team. Whoo, did he look terrible in that second set. Something to note with Marcos Giron, who played a long one of his own, but one that didn't include a break point in three tie breaks against Stan. And not sure how much energy was used in that, but should be a really fun tournament because it's like really contradictory tournaments. Or not, not sorry, not tournaments, condition, right? Like you've got, you've got altitude here and the serves are going to work on these courts and they're green set courts, but they, they're still playing medium slow as they did in years past. This is astounding you're talking about. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to talk about more of that tournament here in a second after we blaze through the what did we win what did we learn we actually had some match play happen overnight a little bit different setup for us this week uh, with the two preview shows for the specific tournaments in beijing uh, we talked about ugo umber uh, money line at minus 135 against lorenzo Senego. he tried it he tried to choke it john but he came through in the end for us i went to bed very angry. I saw the choke coming, but thankfully I woke up happy. Matteo Rinaldi, we split on. I backed him. Got up to plus 145. We talked about it at plus 120 versus JJ Wolf. A win for me and the Wolfster. The loss for, for John. Sorry, bud. And then my guy, Lloyd Harris, who I, I thought might be a good look in terms of making a deep run. I didn't have a, a price on him uh, on the outright, but talked about him maybe doing something this week as a, some with a bigger serve and maybe his rally tolerance uh, upping a bit. But nope. He's out. Tomas Martin Echeverry takes him down. So there you go. All right, John, let's talk about Astana after I talk about Spotify for podcasters. All right, John, our second episode this week, we're going to focus on ATP Astana and Kazakhstan. Skipping any lame Borat joke. I'm just so, I'm just above it, John. I'm not going to do it, John. The Astana Open has a short and confusing history. Originally organized in the wake of the restart post-pandemic shutdown of 2020, bounced up to a 500 event last year in which Novak beat Stefano Tsitsipas 6364 in the final. Milman beat Adrian Manorino in 2020. Kwan Suwu, who's going through it a bit, and his return post-injury won in 2021. Conditions here. What, what are you thinking, John? You mentioned before you just watched the team match. How are you judging the, the court speeds here? Indoor environment, usually quick, but what do you have to say? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's not gonna. It's the courts are gonna play rather slow in in baseline exchanges, right? And they're they're higher bouncing. There's no doubting that. Uh, I think yesterday, I can't remember which match it was, but one of the matches really stood out as a as the courts being a lot slower than you'd think for an indoor event at altitude, especially on green set courts. At least that's what the PDF said this year. Really surprising stuff. But at the same time, look at you know your Vavrinka Giron match. Your first serves are gonna play. Varias did have. A lot of free points on his first serve, as did Dami team throughout that match. So it's a little bit of a juxtaposition. You can't just say servers are going to struggle because the courts are slow because the conditions are actually going to favor their serves. It's just a matter of once you get into prolonged exchanges, you want some consistency. You want someone that has that rally tolerance and you want someone that can move as well. So it's kind of a blended 
issue here where, I mean, what else is like that? I guess Guadalajara or some of the Mexican events, Monterey, the challenger there and the women's event there, they're like that as well, right? Where the serve is going to play in altitude, but but the courts themselves are going to be a little higher bouncing and a little bit slower and, and kind of sandier. Let's talk about the draw here. Uh, we have Talon Greekspor, who is the one seed here at the top. Sebastian Baez is the two seed here, which is strange for Baez to be at the two seed in an indoor hardcore event. That's uh, actually kind of mind-blowing, to be honest. I want to give Greekspor a big shout-out, though. He's kind of a dude this year, a deserved top seed in this draw, I would say. Bublik, we talked about him last week being a, a full clown of late. He's the three seed here, but maybe a return to indoors in this home country. We see him do something with his life. Yuri Laheshka is the four seed here. Korda, down at the five seed. Oof, Korda, man. He's going to take on Alexei Popperin here in round one. John, what are you thinking about uh, this draw here? I only took Talon Greekspor here. This was on the weekend, and we're obviously through a, a full day of main draw matches now, uh, just with time constraints for recording. But I do think that um, I was a little mistaken. When I saw the, the draw at first, I thought maybe these courts are going to play quicker than they did in the past, simply because, again, it's really rare to see green set courts play slow or even medium slow. They certainly are, though. They, I've, they've certainly obviously uh, thrown something into the mix before laying the courts that, that has slowed them down a bit. But nonetheless, Talon Greekspor has two titles this year. One came in quicker conditions in a bit of altitude in India. I believe in Chennai or Pune or yeah, one of those mm-hmm, at the Pune. beginning of the season. I believe there's a bit of altitude there similar to Astana. I believe that the, the difference is the courts are quicker there. And he is going to prefer those, those quick courts as well. We saw it happen again on grass without altitude. So quicker courts. I want to see how he adjusts to these courts. I'm a little kind of annoyed. Um, that they that they are playing, you know, a higher bounce and, and medium slow, but he's also had success in the past, at least, and and at a lower level at challengers on clay. So it's not like he's a quick court expert. It's just that's where his ATP tour level success has come from, and that's kind of the category he's going to be almost pit almost forced into, right? So. I don't mind him if the courts are a bit slower because that serve is still going to play. The forehand should still rip uh, effectively through the thinner air. I just wish these were a little, the courts were a little quicker or a little lower bouncing just because I do think that uh, that that's where he, he has shown his best stuff at this level. But still, plus 800 on that, uh, I was certainly going to get involved. What about the guy he's taking on in the next round and show Shim Bakoro? I wanted to talk about him and another guy we mentioned on our, our show last week, Koshmazov, Alibek Koshmazov. These guys are names that have been popping up. Show was someone who had some wins in the USO hardcourt run. And then Koshmazov kind of coming on now. I think it's a, a good time to remind people that end of the year here, we're going to see some guys pop up with names that you might not recognize who, who could be pretty good values here. What do you think about the, what those guys have done so far in this tournament? Good on Alibek Kachmazov. It might be a regional thing for him. I'm not sure. But remember how we talked about, like, he is the guy who could just absolutely no-show. And he's also a guy who can keep things close than expected. And that's why I thought that that range of outcomes was so wide. Was it O'Connell we talked about with him? And I talked about it. could be It could be a four, three, four game spread uh, difference. And it could be six. And it turns out, I think it was, what, seven, five, seven, six, seven, five, seven, five, seven, six, seven, six, somewhere in that really tight uh, margin of victory. And like, I like, it's not all that surprising. Had he lost two and two to me, it wouldn't have been that surprising, which seems almost counterintuitive or seems like it, it's contradictory, but that's just who Kachmazov is. We saw it. Now he's beaten Kalantin Mute, who may not be at his best yet still, but he's still an ATP tour level player. And I mean, let's be honest here. He's better than Alibet Kachmazov. So 
we see that. But at the same time, I think Damian Kust tweeted earlier today, one of the best uh, challenger follows, if not the best in the world that you'll find on Twitter, by the way. He tweeted out that I think he played something like 17 challengers or, or 13 challengers this season and hadn't made it past the second round at any of them. Now, that's his tweet. And I just, I trust his information because he is someone that usually knows this stuff. If that's true, I mean, look at that. Then he comes to the tour level and on a quick court, he's keeping Chris O'Connell close. And now he's beating Colin Temute. It's just, that's the kind of guy he is. So again, I, I don't think he has what it takes to, to, to go deep here. But if he has one more close match or takes a match three sets against someone that is much better. And, you know, as a guy that most people have never heard of, again, don't be too caught off guard. Anything on show? The courts are a little too high bouncing here for him. Like, I have not seen a low skidding court. His serve is okay, but he is very much in the similar mold to someone like his countryman, Yosuke Watanuki, I think prefers that lower bounce, prefers quick conditions. I don't know if he's got what it takes to, to upset Tell on Greek Spore. Like, he beat Roberto Carbaez Baena on a hard court at a bit of altitude where Carbaez Baena just doesn't have a serve to play up, right? So there was always going to be kind of one-way pressure, at least when it came to the serves in that matchup. So I, I wouldn't be too... I wouldn't credit him too much for that victory in your handicap. I'm not so... Like, I think this is a great match. Like I, like I said, I have Greek Spore was my only pre-tournament outright. And I only made it on the assumption that the, the green set courts would quicken things up at Astana this year relative to previous years they're they're not really so i'm not even all that jazzed with my own bet but i'm certainly kind of happy that this 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 draw has panned out the way it has because now he's going to play he has a bye and then he's going to play shoshin bakuro and then after that i think the only people that are lined up at the moment are what like nuno borges is a potential quarter finalist so um you know he barely gets by 35 year old Kukushkin, I'm I'm gonna pray that he somehow beats Cordar Papirin. You know, I'd love to see him upset Cordar Papirin. But either way, I think Cordar Papirin have to play. I believe, right? Have they even played yet? They have um, not. And I, I bet that two days ago. Well, that'll be the first one we talk about when we switch over to match play here, because I, I I played that Nick on Tuesday. So like, <laughs> is Cordar gonna have to play several days in a row now? Is I don't know what's gonna what's up with that, but I would love to see uh, an upset from Papirin or in the next round from Borges if I for my Greek sport ticket here in that in this opening quarter. I kind of like Adrian Manorino here in the bottom half uh, a lot actually. Uh, super consistent all year. No one is popping up. I mean, he's Rodionov ha- has been up and down this year. Certainly, what he have that splash in the, the the grass season. He had some surprise wins. Uh, Baez, obviously, you know, he's shown improvements, but indoor, hard. Prove it to me, man. <laughs> I think this is a great setup for Manorino to, to sneak through here, especially if Bublik's going to continue his clownish ways. Although I do I do see him doing something with his life for once uh, at home. Vucevic also not a terrible look. Uh, he typically plays pretty well in indoor conditions. Assume he will get by Offner, who doesn't play a ton on hard courts. That's what I got. I kind of like a Greek sport look. I mean... It's tough for me to fade Greek sport, who's been a pretty good bet on player all this year. So we will see. Let's switch over to match play talk, though. So I, like I said, I bet on the Corda Popperin match a few days ago. Corda is a minus three hundred money line favorite. Popperin is plus two forty as the dog. The total is at twenty two and a half here. The spread is three and a half. I bet a half unit on Popperin money line a couple days ago. It just at plus I can I got I bet it at plus two fifty six on an indoor hard court where a tie break is likely incoming and knowing Corda's still 
pension for very inconsistent play. I mean, Popperton's had a, a pretty solid 2023 for me to be getting a plus 256. Completely agree. I'm not sure. I, I guess quarter from the baseline has a big edge. If the conditions are going to be a tad slower, he can still hit through it. He's probably a bit more, I don't want to say consistent, but I think just his mechanics and his his ball striking is a little more clean than Popperton, who tends to, to kind of get a bit erratic because he's almost not overhitting, but the power isn't nearly as... Uh, fluid in terms of repeatability, if, if you know what I mean. Like, it, it Porta can hit four, five, four hands really big consecutively and not commit an error. I'm not so sold on that from popular from popular standpoint. On the flip side, we're still indoors, we're still at again, I think it's about 300 to 350 meters of altitude, which in feet, I don't know, a thousand feet, I guess, somewhere in that range, maybe it's two and a half feet uh, per meter. But it, we're at a bit of altitude here indoors. Papier and serve is still going to play. I think, is it Shanghai that he won? Not, sh- uh, no, Singapore. I believe he played really well in Singapore indoors. Again, when the, the courts were semi-slow at that event, but just the serve still plays and he gets a bit more time from the baseline and he can still hit the ball really big as well. I don't think this is nearly as big of a mismatch as the markets make it out to be. I get why is the favorite, but I don't see why he's this large of a favorite. I don't think it's like a two or three to one proposition at all yeah Popperin won uh an indoor title in the past and he also won i believe clay title he won earlier this year what, what was that is that umag yeah umag uh Popperin did lose to corda indoors once in the past in 2020 uh at a challenger indoor event in germany six four six four so uh, uh, that could be factoring into the the data here but i also like man the 22 a neutral 22 and a half an overlook, I don't think is terrible here either. I feel like that should be checked up to 23. Yeah, I wonder what the plus, what's the plus one and a half sets market like for Pup here and here? It's it's about minus 125. Honestly, I almost would rather take the Papirin plus one and a half sets at that price than, than to look at the over 22 and a half. Do I think he could do this in straights? Probably not. But there's certainly a world in which Corda serve breaks down or he reverts to being that guy who randomly can't figure things out. Uh, that we've seen so many times in the last few months. And Papirin has a great, uh, an incredible serving day. And I, I just hate when I have, maybe it's a bit of recency bias creeping into my mind too, because I had the Shevchenko over plus money line rather than plus one and a half cents plus money line. But I, I certainly think that Papirin could could be a lot more competitive than than I think the market realizes, which is why I like the money line. And the plus one and a half cents price is not that juiced at $1.81 or minus 125-ish at Pinnacle for, for me to just, take that as kind of like the safeguard i a seven loses seven six seven six fine loses seven five seven five fine uh, but there's not a whole hell of a lot of score lines that allow the over to hit without him taking a set uh, and so i would i would probably look uh to that market for for myself considering i think he's more competitive than the market believes yeah i i, I think that's a good price i would I'm, i am blown away that it's only minus 125 i mean what 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 <laughs> Not that I think Popperin is like a world beater, but minus 125 for Popperin just to win a set against Korda. Who is what has Korda done this year? I mean, he was pretty good at the beginning of this year, like, but he dropped the set to Alex Mueller last week, like, exactly. And that's the thing, too, is like since his return, I think we're starting to see him be priced like you know, the Korda that was around during the beginning of the season or the the one that kind of we had those big expectations for in 2023 or, or the one that. You know, the, the young kid who is this future American star, rather than what we've actually seen tournament after tournament for the last few weeks and months. I just, I have not been convinced by Corda enough to to think that he's almost a favorite to win this in straight sets. Like just 
just under 50% chance for him to win this in straights against a strong server with a strong year and a bit of altitude on a hard court indoors. I'm not convinced. Now, again, he could he could very well win this in straights. I don't, like, that's not the game I'm playing here. I'm just saying I would have this much closer to minus 135, minus 140, maybe minus 145, that $1.68 number um, for Popyrin rather than the minus 125 we're seeing in the market right now. Marton Fucevic is taking on Sebastian Offner. Fuch is a minus 195 money line favorite. Offner is plus 160 as a dog. The spread is three. The total is 22 and a half here. Uh, we've last saw Fuchovic back in August, which was last month, uh, where he lost in straight sets after after a grueling match with Corda with that he won. Uh, I think he didn't have much left in the tank uh, when he lost to Rinki Hajikacha at the U.S. Open. Fuchovic typically pretty good in indoor conditions, especially if it's not going to be super, super quick. I know he t- typically turns up at Rotterdam, which is in a, a, a super quick indoor event. Uh, Offner, I remember from Winston-Salem, has not play hardcore all that much. Uh, he's coming on here losing three of his last five with a couple wins versus Nardi and the Ukrainian Krutik. And we haven't seen Marton, but man, three laying three here. I pretty tempted. What do you think, John? I like I kind of like where it's where it's priced up. I trust Offner a bit more this year than I would in the past. The conditions aren't ultra fast. It doesn't seem like so that should help him from the baseline. I think his serve is just gonna play anywhere, especially again in, in a little bit of altitude when it's cutting through slightly thinner air, should help him as well. And I mean, I'm just he has had some, I mean, lost to Mickelson. I, I don't think that match was as close as it appeared. Actually, I do think it was, he, he played decently to start, but once Mickelson made adjustments, kind of counterpunched well, grinded well, he really ran out of solutions. And I think that's exactly what Fuchsvix can do as well. So you take a look at a comparable kind of player, uh, he might struggle in that regard. Fuchsvix is the better player, more athletic, more well-rounded, better baseline. And, and like I said off the top, serves are serves can still play here. But once you get into baseline exchanges, I want the better, more consistent baseliner that moves more efficiently along the baseline. That is undoubtedly Marton Fuchsvix in this matchup. Obviously more pedigree at the tour level uh, to boot. So yeah, I mean, three games seems probably about right. I don't know if I'd, I don't know if I'd want to go to three and a half if I'm, if I'm in the market. Like, I mean, the, it's actually at plus money now, the three, eh? at plus 103. Uh, at pinnacle so you can actually get a minus 115 on the two and a half that i actually i'm starting to warm up to a bit more i certainly wouldn't bet three and a half here uh, i wouldn't be keen on that if it was in that you know minus typical minus 110 minus 105 region but if you're going to give me a three at plus money i'm going to be a little bit more tempted to to join you i would play the two and a half at uh minus which is minus 115 i kind of like marty in this or our boy count. marty marty fuchs <laughs> now this is an interesting one i i think just because of the conditions but igor garasimov as plus 240 as the dog against yuri laheshka who's minus 300 the spread is three and a half total at 22 here now laheshka splashed onto the scene a bit at rotterdam at an indoor event a couple years ago that was like his big coming out party if you will on the tour um, returned to indoors here he did rip off a couple indoor wins at Davis Cup, uh, so he has some indoor play under his belt. Three of them, actually, so he has it rolling. But we got a big serving flagless countryman as the dog here, and it's the end of the year. I'm not saying... I mean, you, you probably want plus 300, but what do you think about this dog, John? I know you're not a huge Laheshka guy. 
No, I'm not, especially at, at, at these at these kind of price points. Uh, Gerasimov, I mean, indoors is where he's probably had his the most amount of success. It's it's hard courts where he's where he succeeded in the past, right? And this isn't a, an absolute no name, despite his ranking. He has been a top hundred player before. I don't know how many years ago it was, probably about four or five years ago. But I do remember betting on Igor Gerasimov consistently uh, on indoor hard courts, and he he certainly prefers quicker conditions. Now, how he'll like these ones in Astana, where like I've said a few times, that they're kind of it's like blended, if you will, right? You've got some sort of you've got a little bit of altitude making them quick. You've got the courts being higher, bouncing a little slower, grittier. So who knows? Uh, how each player will react. That's something to, to watch over the course of the week for sure. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be looking to just auto-fade Grasimov at like an elevated spread against Lahachka. He beats Hapata Midayes. That's not a great win, of course, because, you know, Bernabe is not the greatest on hard courts, but he did it in straight sets at a pick and price margin of victory about four games. He beats Alex Mueller in straight sets as well. Huge underdog. Same goes for Zizou Belg. So he's actually got some some decent wins. None of them, of course, probably Lahechka level wins. It, it's hard to, to lay games with a guy like Lahechka who can be so volatile and against a guy like Gerasimov who can construct holds of serve indoors and on hard courts relatively well. He's only 30. I don't know what sent him off into the wilderness, whether it was injury or, or what, but or, or just a complete loss of form and perhaps loss of motivation. But he is a better player than, you know, a ranking of 661 would indicate. That's for sure. And it won't be there. Uh, it won't be at that kind of ranking point after this season. He uh, Or after this week, pardon me. This will obviously, even a second round appearance at an ATP event, will vault him up uh, quite a bit. So uh, I would I would caution people who just may not, who have, may have started handicapping the last year or two that don't really know Igor Garasimov. I would caution you from... from just believing he's some ITF two or no name that you can that you can write off because he, he's not quite that bad. John, I am not seeing it, but could you get a plus money tiebreak prop like anytime, uh, anytime, or yeah, yeah, anytime. yeah. Obviously, first I was gonna say <laughs> obviously first set would be in the plus money range. Yeah, the anytime. I let me see if three six five will let, lay these props down for a two fifty. I think they have been lately. I think they've been better with with more props. Uh, plus one fifty for any uh, any time tiebreak. I, I think that's a bet if you can get that. I don't hate it. again. I'm just I just don't like I, I hate betting on Lahechka's tiebreak props because as much as he is, he he does have a good serve and he can rip from the baseline. He can also break himself and he does have that red line ability to just break anyone at any given time and it's just so annoying. And it's that's why it's so tough to 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 really make good numbers on his matches. I find uh, and why I'm happy to kind of stay the hell away from him. <laughs> is he is he the check that's with Katarina Sanyakova? Because like they're both players I just can't stand betting. Uh, or no, that's Thomas Mahach, another player I don't like betting. There you go. There are certain Czech p- players from the Czech Republic I just do not bet anymore. I bet Sanyakova today minus three and a half. She won two games, so you know. I'm learning lessons. And I'm not going anywhere near it. I, I just think this might be a competitive match or more competitive than people think, and mm-hmm. I think that will be through Garasimov getting to a tie break so i think at a plus 150 i think that's worth a shot it's also a, a quasi hedge for instead of taking your plus games right because this this does feel like one lahechka is the type of favorite who could easily put up a 6-3 6-7 win and then you you kind of had that correct read that it was going to be a closer match than expected but 
you know, instead of taking the over, you took the plus games or instead of taking the tie break anytime you took the plus games and, and, uh, and get screwed that way because Lahetchka is that type of favorite who can run away with a set. He can also screw it up. can also be serve oriented. So different angles to attack it with for sure. Believe you mentioned uh, Damian Kusht and he tweeted out how he's low key geeked up for Alexander Shevchenko versus Hamad Medvedevich. Medvedevich is minus 145 on the money line. Chevy is plus 120 as the dog. The spread is two. The total is 22 and a half here. I feel like this is going to be a, a pretty competitive match here uh, between these two. Medvedevich ripped off a challenger title in Mallorca coming into this uh, or before this event, but that was early September. He beat Jera, who retired, and then Shevchenko lost in the semis of a clay event a couple weeks ago uh, and beat Bodic in the first round here. A matchup of, of two talented guys that I don't think a lot of people know a ton about. Uh, Medvedevich, I believe, will be ripping. Chenko, I think, a little bit more sturdy from the baseline. Which side is going to win out here, John? This is one, I think, the other day when when I saw that Shevchenko won, because I bet on Shevchenko in that match. Um, I think the way I described it was, he'll take on Medvedevich next, could be great. Could be an absolute disaster because these guys both have like disaster class performances in them. They both have fiery tempers that do not help their game. You know, we know that there are some players who get worked up with themselves and it kind of pushes them to be better. These two do not fall into that category. Shevchenko has smashed brackets repeatedly. I believe was it in Chechen in the in Poland. Uh at, at a clay challenger, he needed three sets to be a lot beat a lot of opponents. He should have absolutely cleaned out. And, you know, the errors were there, the frustrations were there, the thrown rackets. Medvedevic also screams, yells consistently at himself when he makes unforced errors. And these these guys are both very aggressive, big serves, big forehands, like a lot of power, a lot of aggressive play. So guess what comes with that? Unforced errors. It's part, it's part and parcel of the game, especially when you're relatively young or you're still developing. Like that's why we call you developing because you haven't got that side of your game out of your game yet right you haven't eradicated those errors so like it's it's expected it's going to happen but to these guys they just don't accept it which is again partially a good thing you want to see that drive to not hit errors but uh when it spurns more and more and it kind of takes a snowball effect that's when i think your coach you know you want your coaches to step in and talk them off the ledge but uh look that's who these guys are they're very similar players I'd probably lean towards Medvedevich a little bit more as the market does here. I think this is perfectly priced. 22 and a half seems right um, because there are potentials for lopsided sets from either one of these guys. So even three sets, be careful. You might sweat out the 22 and a half. I'm not even kidding. Uh, well, maybe not, but you, you get what I mean. I think your over two and a half sets would be a better look than your over 22 and a half here. But I, I do think that the games are decently priced. I think it's priced properly. Shevchenko hasn't been that impressive lately outside of that opening round win. And I think he was just super undervalued against Bodic, who's been downright piss poor himself, right? Uh, and Medvedevich has made runs this season at ATP 250s in a bit of in a bit of altitude. That game is just so much better on courts that are somewhat slow, so his ground strokes aren't rushed, but in altitude where his serve, which is massive, is that much more potent, right? So you get the shorter points with the big serve. For, uh, forehand combo to reduce his error count. And then on return, he gets a little more time to start points and work his way into rallies and take them over because the courts aren't like pushing him back and he's not having hit kind of reactive shots that he's not the best at defensively, 
right? Because he has that aggressive mindset. So I think Medvedevich probably a little bit better in these in these conditions for me than Shevchenko. And I think that's accurately reflected within the market. He's not a huge favorite, but he is a favorite. And I think that's deserved. I might sit that one out because uh, they're both pretty volatile. Uh, I do kind of like the over two and a half sets at plus 135, but I wish that's kind of like a neutral price for that. I wish it was a little more juiced. Uh, I, I think that's going to be a fight to the death in that one. Uh, so I, I, it wouldn't shock me if, if three sets uh, comes into play. Sebastian Baez is minus 140 money line favorite versus Rodionov, who's plus 115 as the dog. Again, a neutral 22 and a half here. Spread is two. Baez certainly been a bet on player post Wimbledon. He's lost one match, I believe. Yes, even picked up a, a win against Barankas at uh, Davis Cup on clay. Yeah, he's lost one match since July 31st and yet kind of a neutral or kind of a depreciated money line price at minus 140 i'm scared john <laughs> i mean i just feel like he's got like gonna go full pumpkin here at some point on on hardcore i just don't i mean winston-salem not bad hardcourts for bias you could even argue like beating a, a tr- an out-of-form torch again days after you've already beat him in new york like you could throw some context around that now Rodionov is a pretty good opponent for him here not exactly someone who plays a ton on hard and certainly they're blended elos uh, he's, it's almost a 200 point difference in their elo ratings and yeah i still have a fear with bias here oh man i like it's one of those things where and i guess this is what what dra- this mindset is what draws people to call things trap lines right like bias proved himself a bit on hard courts of late and then people say well that was a low level 250 well what the hell do you think astana is <laughs> like i mean talent creek sports your top seed like yeah this is a pretty low level 250 this is kind of where he can actually find more wins probably why he's here before shanghai and not in beijing although that might be ranking related i'm pretty sure that's why though rodionov can be can be super erratic and that can play to bias his hands but at the same time he's got rodionov's probably got the better serve he's got power from the baseline he's an all quarter and again it's like the altitude's gonna help his serve He's got the almost higher bounce like baseline conditions that he should like. Theoretically, he should he shouldn't be in too much trouble or dislike these conditions too much. I just think that Baez is undervalued when it comes to his first serve. I mean, if you look at him backing up his first serve, um, and altitude clay are on on, on in relatively quick conditions or on hard courts, and he, he's not that weak. The second he he's he struggles to protect uh with the spin that works a little bit better on clay, and I think that's where he runs into issues, but He's just a better player, period, than Yuri Rodionov. Okay, he's far more consistent than Yuri Rodionov, and he has shown himself at this caliber of like ATP 250 to be a decent hardcore, at least of late, if not on the whole. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I get it. Like, I get why that number to me is tempting. And I guess this is where the, the origins of trap line come from. Like what does the book or the market know that I don't, I mean, the book pinnacle opened the, at him at 1.59, which is like minus 170 minus 175. So it's not really the book uh, making this price. It's the market that's bet him out as, as low as minus 125 or as cheap as minus 125. And like, this is a situation where you say, what does the market know that I don't? Because I get that. Like I'm, I'm I've been betting Yuri Rodionov for three, four years. I, I've always been a fan of his game. It just hasn't progressed enough for me that I'm actually kind of down on him now. Like, I know you're talented. I just, I know you're also not adding anything to that talent. 
in terms of tactics or or mindset or adjustments within matches. That's something Baez does really well. He can extract errors well. He backs up his first serve well. He's got a bit of altitude to give it even more punch. If you if, if at one point 59 or like again minus 170-ish, yeah, probably staying away. I'm probably not laying games here. But if I could just take the money line now at minus 130, like I can at Pinnacle, yeah, I'm gonna probably be tempted to do that as much as I, I kind of don't want to with Baez. Uh, so I get that mentality that you're talking about. Impressive win for Rodiana versus uh, Barrer, who is kind of an indoor specialist. You're shaking your head now. You don't think so? Uh, I just think he's been pretty bad of late. I mean, the air. That's true. That's fair. I've just been spew- spewing out of his racket too much. So, I mean, that's the one thing Barrer really can't do against Rod- Rodianov is, is give him those errors because that's kind of Yuri's job in that matchup. And if you're going to be the one that continues to spit out errors like you did all summer, he's going to have that kind of natural ability advantage over you. So it becomes tough to win that match. So I, I think that, yeah, it's a decent win, but considering how Barrera has been playing, I, I kind of take it with a grain of salt in a way. I mean, it could be a case of once again, the market, not really understanding or comprehending how to price Sebastian Baez. He is a confusing player. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I kind of get it because in a vacuum, he is a, a much better player than Rodionov. I mean, Mm-hmm. All right, Jen, let's round to the finish uh, with, I don't have a number up yet, but we have some pretty good matches on Friday. I assume Giron would be a dog to team. Mm, he is, is any- not. He's not? No, he opened, it opened a pick. It opened minus 105 or minus 106 each way at Pinnacle. Uh, and the market bet Giron almost instantly down to minus 130. I think... Anyone who's a qualitative handicapper watching team saw how bad, like how quickly he deteriorated in that second set. The airs were spewing more often. That can be tired legs from the forehand. The backhand, he could not hit the backhand with pace. Uh, he was slicing a ton in that second set, especially the latter stages of it. It was, I had minus three and a half. He won the first set six, three. And the second half was a war from start to finish, like 80, 85 minutes. He looked horrible by the end of it. He could not convert break points late in the second. He could not hold on to a mini break in the tie break. Uh, he couldn't take his first match point. He had some really sloppy errors, sailed forehands three feet long. The legs looked done. Uh, and like I said, off the top, Giron played a long match too, but it was very, it was serve oriented as it could be. And there wasn't a break point really. So there was, it, there weren't that many extended kind of lung busting rallies where his team did get pushed extensively. I don't know if I'd bet a minus 125 with Giron, I'm tempted to, though. I mean, I just I don't want to let that first team match impact me too much, but it's fresh in my mind right now, and he was downright terrible. And the market saw it, too. Like, the market jumped on it right away, moved it uh, from a near 50-50 proposition to Giron uh, being up around 55, 56, 57% even. Um, maybe even, yeah, in that range. So that was a very sharp, very quick movement of over five percentage points on the implied uh, probabilities and implied win percentages. He still covered though, team, right? Yeah, yeah. He just needed to win the second. <laughs> just needed to win the second. <laughs> okay, so um, he still covered. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, and it wasn't like Mickelson. It wasn't like Mickelson. Where remember during the summer, like Varias somehow got the second set, and then Mickelson just destroyed him in the third. If he didn't win that second set, the way he had limped kind of into that tiebreak, there was no chance he was covering. Uh, in three, let, I don't think there was a chance he was winning in three, let alone covering. So good on Dommy team and, and good on him for one, cashing the bet and two, giving us a chance to fade him now on Friday. If if there's a little bit of buyback 
uh, on Dami here, or Saturday, whatever day the second round begins. Um, good on Dami for giving us that buyback opportunity because if that gets back to a pick him, let me at him. I, I mean, if I'm going to get a pretty plus money team now, I, I'm going to back team at, at plus money. If like if people are going to bet Giron up to like minus 150, minus 160, uh, a juice yeah, Giron yeah. sounds like a losing ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like I said, at right now, minus 125-ish. It's back from 130 to 125. So the, the buyback has begun. I, I'd probably, I, I'm probably still okay with it here. Once we finish recording, I'll probably head over to my Pinnacle account. But I should just do it on my phone right now. Uh, and maybe hit it with an opener. But um, but if it gets pushed back to minus 110, I'll be on it. But I'm, I'm with you there. If it gets to minus 150, the sixty-six range, probably been bet into... Uh, a decent price, if not a bit overcooked. So I certainly wouldn't be backing Giron at that price either. I would agree with that for sure. Uh, these two played indoors in, in Spain last year. Team one in three, three, six, six, four, six, zero. That third set got away from Giron there. So we'll see. Overs might not be a bad look here. Both these guys are pretty notorious chokers. <laughs> uh, all right, John, we will be back soon. TBD, but we got a couple episodes in. Got some wins on the board for Beijing. Follow us at MP9 Tennis. Follow John at Jared Tweets Tennis at Tibbets Tennis. Do like and subscribe on Spotify if you could. Give us a rating or review. Until next time, see you on the court.